0: Welcome to our Clean Growth for Business podcast, where your business can get helpful advice about reducing its carbon footprint and its costs. In this episode, we hear from Pete Joyner, chair of the New Anglia Clean Growth Task Force, and the managing director at this Away and Shorto's Russell. The, the Clean Growth Task Force um, obviously has been brought together by the MEP. Um, and it's there really us. As- those to provide leadership and collaboration across Norfolk and Suffolk. Um, and that's in, that's in three main areas. And, and, and our, our board is very much made up of those three different areas because I think they, each of them bring skills and expertise to, to what is a very big challenge for us all um, at this moment to face. And so the first one of those, we sort of looked at the public sector because obviously they play a key role in, in funding and the government support that can come from that. That's an essential part of, of what we need. We need the skills and the expertise of um, academics across the region, and we are very lucky to have some, some really uh, highly qualified and highly skilled people. Um, School of Climate Change at UEA and, and, and others are obviously, you know, at the forefront of this globally, not just, not just regionally or even, even um, nationally. Um, and then one of one those closest to my heart, obviously being a business person myself, and, and that being the reason, you know, lots of the reason why the LEP exists is to help support businesses, to put businesses in there as well. So I see these three different uh, parts, the businesses, the academics and the public sector coming together in this board to create a framework and uh, to provide the leadership and to support and collaborate with others in putting a clean growth at the heart of our regional economy. And that isn't an easy thing to do. And if we tried to do that individually, we would struggle. So the best way for us to do it is to do it collaboratively and bring each other together. And that's what we've done. One of the big challenges we face in our region is we have, we have a, a, you know, a very strong and diverse regional economy made up of large, medium sized and, and small businesses. But I think it's quite easy for business leaders, entrepreneurs, business owners, um, of, of particularly of small businesses, to think that this is, a, this is a big problem for us to tackle. So uh, I'm busy running my business and, you know, my day is full and I recognise that climate change is very important. I recognise net zero is, is an objective we should be all working towards. And I'd like to embed clean growth into my business, but how do I go about doing that? Um, and I think that's really uh, that gets the heart of what we're trying to achieve here is we are using the expertise of the larger businesses. Some of those are very innovative and clever about the way about to do things, but then translating that to how that applies to small businesses. So to SMEs and the kind of organisations that my, I myself am our owner of, a business of less than 20 people. What would I want from a clean growth task force to help me deliver against the objectives that I have and make my life a little bit easier? So how you how go about doing things, what changes I need to make, and what are the little interventions that, that we can put into place to kind of contribute to, to the difference. So as a, as a clean growth task force, we're aware that this is a, a big undertaking. In a, in a way, it's how, how do you eat an elephant? It's so big, it's very easy to get, to get lost in that. Um, But I think you've got to break it down into smaller parts. You've got to break it down into deliverable things, actionable things that businesses themselves could do. So we've recognized early on that that we need to give some direction to that. And we've identified three key areas that we want to um, deliver clean growth or deliver our clean growth objectives across our region. And the first was the creation of a a decarbonization academy. And that decarbonization academy is about upskilling the workforce for the future to help us build the sustainable homes that we will need. Um, and that is an enormous undertaking. And so that's not only about working with education institutions to ensure that programs are there. It's also about um, encouraging people to, to kind of reskill and, and to develop their skill sets. So then when as a, as a builder, if you're a homes builder, for example, if you're a, you know, a, a carpenter, or if you work you know, as, a, as, a, as a plumber or an electrician, these skills are going to be needed to deliver that technology of the future. So if you work in the construction sector, whether you're large or you're small, and again, the vast majority of them are small, they're gonna have access to these skills to be able to retrain and to do these things. And then we will set our region hopefully up, up as a showcase for what, what is what is possible um, from, from delivering these, these homes of the future. The second of that is 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 around transportation. So so effectively an alternative fuel strategy and to help decarbonize tr- transport and travel. Um, and this is again is an extraordinary. Important part of what we do. We know that our regional emissions, um, 98% of those come from from our regional emissions come from roads, for example, of the emissions that we make, and of our total carbon emissions in Norfolk and Suffolk, that's nearly uh, two fifths. So 38% of our emissions in Norfolk and Suffolk come from transport, and of those, the vast majority of those come from cars. So how do we address that problem? Well. Obviously there is a, a domestic issue here. We all should use, try and use our cars less. We should get on you know, more sustainable forms of transport, whether it's on a on a train or a bus or whether it's getting on a bike or whether it's walking and all of those kind of things. But as an employer, how do you how do you encourage that? Well, there are bike-to-work schemes out there that you can engage with people on. You can look at the way you manage your fleet if you have cars, you can look at electrifying that, you can look at incentivizing your um, your employees to to come into work in different ways, to be more healthy. Um, and so there are a whole raft of things you can do within that as well, as well as the big challenges that we've got in there about encouraging people to get on rail. And that's how we work with potentially some of the bigger organisations, some of the bigger partners in our region who, who manage those larger transportation systems and networks. So again, small businesses can do things. It's not just about the big businesses. And then the final one of those really, and this is probably all that's close to my heart, is business support. So it's giving information to businesses about what they can do. And so... That's about having websites, having podcasts is exactly the point of these kind of conversations we're having today. You know, the people are listening and I know you've been having conversations with lots of really innovative businesses around the region, ones who are doing quite different things, large and small, how they themselves are doing things. So that providing that help, that support, those grants and a place to come to learn more about what needs to be done is our last of those three objectives. And so each one of those has a place to play or a role to play in how we develop um, our strategy and how we all deliver and contribute to that and on a, on a kind of personal level I know that um, we encourage our staff you know from a bike to work we encourage our staff um, to you know share transport where possible and obviously it's become more challenging around COVID but but hopefully going forward that will be very important And when we, re- we moved our offices recently and one of the key things was we wanted to look about how we um because heating would be a key part of, of any of any organisation, so when we moved it was important to us that we moved somewhere that was considering a sustainable form of heating and we, we found some accommodation um, from an office point of view that provides us with that and now we're, now we're using biomass boiler um, to, uh, to power our, our energy in our office. So the question that we often ask ourselves is: is not only is, is the practicality of delivering these things, it's it's the benefits to the business. Um, because I think it's it's easy to um, it's easy for people perhaps to consider this to be a, a kind of a, a chore, something they must do, something that you know they, they recognise that is important. But if you manage this in the right way, there are some real benefits in in how you would approach this as, as a business. And I, and I see three key ones really for me. The first is is your customers. Virtually in any uh, business, whether you're business-to-business, whether you're business-to-consumer, your customers are increasingly interested in how you're going to manage your own carbon footprint and how you're going to work towards net zero. Now, some industries, this is this is a very you know kind of a speedy direction of travel. Some some others, it's slightly more, it's slightly slower. But I can guarantee the ones that that are slower will be catching up fairly quickly because this is this is being embedded globally. When you've got global brands. All around the world looking to demonstrate their green credentials it tells you something they do more customer analysis than anybody else and they will know how this works so it's really important that we bear in mind that our customers on any level will be encouraged to purchase things from you and work with you if you are fundamentally more green the second one is recruitment and undoubtedly the, um, and this isn't simply a generational shift. People write a lot about this, about younger people wanting to work for businesses that are greener. I don't think that's limited to age. I think that most people would, if you were got two job offers that were absolutely identical for the same amount of money in the same location, and one had a much more progressive and green policy, I think that 99.9% of people would choose that. And the last one, and uh, this isn't simply for the financial directors out there, there are savings to be made in doing it this way. If you could find a more sustainable way to heat your, office or your space, if you can plug your uh, electric vehicles in, if you can reduce your emissions, it is, whilst it isn't quite that situation now, it is probably going to be increasingly over time that people are going to be penalised for consumption, over-consumption or over-emission of CO2, and that's, that's got to be a, a real driver for any business that wants to be successful in the future manage its cost base because it's you know it's always a challenge for any business is is looking at at how embedding green technology and green initiatives into your organization will help you uh, help manage your bottom line and hopefully grow it. A big thanks to Pete for telling us about the Clean Growth Task Force and how it can help your business reduce its carbon footprint. Don't forget to visit the New Anglia Lep and Norfolk and Suffolk Unlimited websites. details of our upcoming Clean Growth for Business events, free online resources to help make changes to your business, and future episodes in this series.